welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. I'm Guy Alvarez, your host, and this is the show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing and explain how they can help you get more leads and acquire more clients. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Chris Frisch. Chris is the founder and CRM success consultant at ClientsFirstConsulting.com, and today we're going to talk about CRM in law firms. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and your law firm? If so, I want you to go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. This audit will provide you with all the information you need to know to build a blueprint and get your digital marketing to produce the results you want. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hey there. How are you? Great, great. We are so happy to have you on the show. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and you know, how you got into this business of being the, the CRM guru for law firms. Oh, Lord. Huh? That's not something I think I, I have on my business card is guru. Um, actually, I'm a, a little bit of a recovering attorney. So, uh, I right out of law school, I had always had a passion for technology and and business development and started working with a company that was focused on technology and we acquired a a CRM company and that's that's where I learned about CRM. Uh, But over the years, my background has also really been uh, business development, been in legal marketing for um, a little over 15 years now uh, and decided that what was missing was some consulting services and a firm to really help clients succeed with CRM technology. You know, CRM can be very, very challenging. And, uh, you know, I I thought we should have a company devoted to really helping firms put their best foot forward and really get value out of this technology. So 10 years ago, I started a company called Clients First Consulting. uh, And we are completely dedicated as what we call CRM success consultants. So, and we have a team of consultants and trainers, and we also have a team of uh, data quality professionals who clean up law firm data. In the last 10 years, we've worked with almost 150 law firms. Um, we have some of the best clients in the world. We really love what we do. So, you know, it seems that slowly more and more firms are starting to understand the value of CRM. Um, what, what type of value uh, does CRM or can CRM provide to a law firm? Well, you know, the beauty of, of CRM is that it can do a thousand things. The problem with CRM is it can do a thousand things. And for most firms, it should really do only probably two or three, certainly to start. Uh, but that can be challenging because every firm is different. And those two or three things will be different at each firm. And also sometimes for groups within the firm or even individual attorneys or, uh, or other folks in the firm. So the most important thing in determining how a CRM can provide value is how the firm or the groups define value. And so we believe when we start working with a client, we uh, always start with a needs assessment. We sit down and spend hours with key stakeholders to really understand you know, what they want to get out of CRM and what they're doing now. And you know, I'm a big believer, you know, first of all, you have to assess your needs and find ways to help people before you get the technology. So we say, you know, people, processes, and problems first, 
than the products. Uh, and there are a lot of things that CRM can do. You know, we've had firms that say, you know, we just really want to manage mailings and events, or we really want to want to find, identify, and leverage relationships. And out of the box, CRM can do those things really easily. And I've had CRM providers say to me, well, you know, that's just a, a glorified Rolodex. Our product can do so much more. You know, we've, we don't really, our sales value isn't mailing list and event management. And what I'll tell them is, it's great that CRM has all this enhanced functionality. But when a firm really wants to focus on list and event management to start, that's a great way to provide value because in a law firm, time is money, literally. You know, you've got very busy professionals billing uh, very high amounts of, of dollars for time and spending hours looking at event lists every time they go out, looking at everybody's contacts on those lists, rebuilding the list for each new event or, or e-communication is incredibly time-consuming and very, very expensive. So if you do nothing more than the list and the events out of the box, that's great. I mean, I actually had a firm that I worked with a few years back and it took them a couple of years to implement CRM. They'd gone through two different marketing professionals and they bought an ERM system first to do relationships. They finally got to the point where they were going to roll out CRM and the marketing professional you know, came to me and said, okay, I think we're ready. What do we do next? And I said, well, the next thing you do is we've got to get your managing partner on board again and talk with him about the value the system's going to provide. And then we're going to work on um, making sure that we can figure it the right way. So she went to him. She comes back and calls me and says, I don't want to do CRM anymore. And I said, well, hold on, hold on. We've been working on this for, for two and a half years at this point. Why don't you want to do CRM anymore? And she said, well, I talked to him and he really just wants to do listen events with it. And to me, it's a lot of money to spend on just that. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Did he approve your budget? And she said, yes. And I said, how much did he write the check for? And she said, $300,000. And I said, ask yourself this, how important is mailing list management to him? If he's willing to write you that check. And she said, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I said, do what he wants done. Take the check, buy the system. You better get his mailing list right in year one. I said, now you own the system in year two and three and four and onward. You can do all of the fabulous things that you want to do. You know, things like client team support and alumni programs, um, business development tracking, pipelines for opportunities, all of this different activity tracking and um, you know, all of the things that really provide marketing and business development value for the firm, those can all come later. You know, and not every firm is the same. Not every firm needs to start with list and event management. Many do, but that's why it's so important to understand your firm's unique needs before buying and trying to implement the technology. Because again, CRM can do a lot of wonderful things, but they've got to be valuable to the individuals or you're never going to get adoption. They're not going to use the system if they don't find individualized value. So. No, I think that's a, that's an excellent point. And, you know, it's funny because um, I remember a couple of years ago, I, I, not about a year and a half ago, um, we met with a firm up in Connecticut and uh, as part of, you know, the work that we do, uh, a lot of times we have to interface with, with their CRM systems. So I asked um, 
the marketing director, you know, what kind of CRM system are you guys using? And she looked at me like I had, you know, she had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, you know, how do you, how do you uh, organize all of your, your clients and, and your prospects? She goes, oh, she goes, our lawyers don't share that. They keep their own separate lists. So to me, you know, part of the challenge is, is just the culture in law firms and, and the culture of a lot of lawyers that don't like to share their contacts and really view them as their own personal property. So how do you go about, you know, dealing with these kinds of issues? Well, you know, I think that was a much bigger problem years ago. And the market is very competitive now, fiercely so. Uh, you know, and the, the clients are in the driver's seat in terms of pricing. Uh, demand is flat. It's not rising. Uh, and I think firms have realized in order to succeed now, you basically have to take business away from other firms. There's not a lot of new business out there. And that requires you to function more like a business, to have teams, to focus on business development, to focus on client service. You know, and the things that CRM helps with, the things that it does really well are communication, coordination, client service, and business development. And that's what everyone really needs to focus on now. So there's a lot less tolerance of the my client mentality in the law firm now. You know, I think uh, more and more lawyers are learning that business development is important, collaboration is important, and we've got to have uh, up-to-date information on clients. And that information is kept in the CRM system. It makes it more and more valuable. And there's a reason now that pretty much every AMLAW 100 and almost every AMLAW 200 or 300 firm has a client relationship management technology of some sort because it is so crucial, you know, and, and business development is a, is a top priority at every firm. So that, that's a great point. Um, you know, mo most of our listeners on, on this podcast are uh, legal marketing professionals. We, we also have a bunch of, of attorneys. You know, for the, for the legal marketing professional, what advice would you give them in terms of what is the best way to get their attorneys to adopt CRM technology? Yeah, adoption is a huge issue, not just for law firms, uh, for every industry. Um, a lot of times you have to really, it goes back to really assessing your needs up front. So the best way to roll out a CRM is not firm-wide all at once. It's very strategically by group. So I like to think of CRM in a bifurcated manner. So on the one hand, a lot of firms do want to do list and event management, and that requires that you get all the attorney's contacts, which typically requires you know, either having firm-wide licenses you know, pulling the contacts in through a sync process or going with one of the newer technologies such as signature capture and ERM to get those contacts and relationships. So that's, that's phase one and that's almost more difficult and less valuable. So you've got to get everyone to do it. There's some cleaning up of contacts frequently involved. So the attorneys have to do some work up front, which, you know, takes away from billing time and can be frustrating. And there's training involved firm wide and, and then the value that they get is, you know, basically we get lists and some relationship intelligence. Not tremendous value and, and not a lot of work, but still some work. But the value for that 
can definitely be quantified. Again, it, you know, time is money in a law firm. But where you really get value from CRM and individual lawyers adopting the technology and saying, hey, we use the technology is not that macro level, it's micro. It's finding one group, one practice, one office, one distinct group. It can be a small group or a bigger group. But it, you sit down and you find a group for whom CRM can really provide a benefit. This is why it's important in a law firm, especially a larger law firm, to have a very strategic in, individual involved in the CRM program. You know, it's got to be someone with some gravitas who could sit at a practice group meeting and listen for business process issues and you know, things that the attorneys are trying to do to focus on for business development and say to them, hey, we have this technology. You know, we don't even have to call it CRM. We have a technology that can support that effort, that effort that has something to do with, again, communication, coordination, client service, or business development. And then you wrap and configure some of those thousand things that CRM can do. You find the one or two that are particularly relevant and can fix this problem or facilitate this process or make lives easier or help bring you know, revenue in the door. And you sit down with that small group and deploy it in a very micro level just for them. So I've had firms where one group in the firm actually tracks business development activities. It's very rare to get attorneys to do this, but at one firm we work with, the New York office has a tremendous merger and acquisition practice, and a key leader at the firm really focuses on business development, and he puts his activities in, and everyone on his team does it too. It's almost a, a little fun competition for them. And that's the only group in the firm that did activity tracking. And when they did training, that's what they trained the group on. They knew that that was their need, that was their want, and that's how they were trained. Another group in the firm does a lot of litigation. One paralegal has created an international experts and arbitration database so that you can find arbitrators and experts in different areas. They're scored. Um, the relationships with them are identified. Their quali uh, qualifications and credentials are discussed. And if you need an expert, you can search the database if you're in litigation and find that person. They don't do anything with activities. There's another group in a large firm that does labor and employment and they actually track in a pipeline format all of the opportunities. They have a lot going on. They have a lot of dispersed offices. They have a lot of lawyers and they are pulling all of that data into one place to see, okay, where are we you know, with this pitch, with this RFP, who's involved, what are the next steps, making sure no balls get dropped, when do we think that, you know, that this might, might conclude, and what do we expect um, to be the outcome. And they're actually using it to predict revenue. So there are lots of different ways uh, that you can get adoption, but it's got to hinge on, on very individualized value for individual attorneys or individual groups of attorneys. You know, that, that you, you totally just reminded me when I was at uh, at Pernod Ricard as a, as a consultant, one of the things that I was in charge of is rolling out a new uh, internal social network or enterprise social network, as they call them. And I, I was dealing with the same challenge. How do you get the, 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 the business owners, the professionals to adopt? And we used to use the word what's in it for me? If you couldn't prove to the individual that there was something in it for them, right, that they were going to get some 
value out of using the technology, it was going to be very difficult for them to adopt it. So I, I agree. I think it's a great way to start is to start small, prove value, and then word starts to spread around the firm that, you know, this practice group or this industry group is really doing some great stuff. And next thing you know, you, you get adoption firm-wide. Um, let me, the, other, the other key part ahead. of that is, uh, is the training and the communication Absolutely. that are so essential. Absolutely. So you have, yeah, the, the way to succeed with CRM is to communicate effectively from the minute, actually from before you even buy the system uh, until you roll it out and ongoing. So I, I had a client that asked me, okay, so if we buy the system in January and sign the contract, when will we be done with the implementation? And I said, you're not going to like my answer very much. And he said, what do you mean? I said, the answer is never. You're never going to be done with CRM. You can't think of it that way. CRM is a fundamental change and an improvement on how the firm manages its most important asset, its relationships. It's not a project or an initiative or something that just ends. So you have to really think about it in an ongoing way. And that includes you communicate beforehand, you do surveys of the attorneys, you get the assistants or secretaries involved early and often because they do a lot of the heavy lifting, make them feel like they're part of the process. You have to communicate successes and wins and progress. Um, from the time you start, there's an entire communication campaign if you want to be really successful around the value of CRM, maybe even having some fun with CRM. We've had some clients who have done internal branding campaigns, games, giveaways, just to, you know, to break up the, the day. You know, we've all got so many demands on our time, you know, and this just makes it a, a little bit more fun and a little more focused, and all of that drives adoption. Same thing with training. Training for the attorney should be done desk side and individualized with their clients, their data, and their scenarios so that it means something to them and they retain the information. And that's got to be ongoing. It's not just during the rollout. You've got laterals coming on. You've got attorneys coming and going, new people joining, bringing on their contacts. You want to make those connections right back to what you said earlier about, you know, about what's in it for them. If you bring a new attorney on and you can get a who knows who relationship intelligence report and show them other attorneys in the firm who share their same connections at their desk when you're training them, then those attorneys will really focus in. They'll make a connection to a new partner in the firm who knows the same people and suddenly cross-selling might even happen. It's a great way to, to integrate new attorneys and to integrate truly the value of CRM to their practices. Oh, that, that, that is... That is so true. It's all about training and, and communications consistent and from the top. Um, let me ask you, you know, I've heard people say that your CRM system is only as valuable as the quality of your data. Talk a little bit about data quality and, and why it's so important to have clean data. And, and then maybe give a little advice on how law firms can go about improving the quality of their data. Sure, I, I could certainly talk for hours about data quality. Uh, it is a persistent problem uh, for not just law firms, not just every law firm, but every company and every business. Uh, it's a big part of what we do. In fact, uh, uh, two thirds of our team is dedicated to just 
cleaning up law firm CRM data uh, and data for other companies because it is such an issue. 30%, according to, to some of the leading research companies, 30% of your data degrades every year. People move, they get married, they change jobs, you know, they get promoted. Um, some of them retire and others die. And if you don't keep up with that data, within just a couple years, two, three years, your data is, is just completely degraded. And the key to success with CRM is clean, correct, and complete data. And you just have to consistently focus on it. There are a lot of companies that have, have said that they do automated data quality. Uh, you know, it, it's good to a point, but realistically, you know, when we're working with relationships, having good quality data on those relationships, when we're trying to expand business, we've got to have clean, correct, and complete data in order to do this. Uh, it's one of the most important things. And as attorneys, we are trained to find fault. And so if we go into the system and we see lots of duplicates and incorrect information, we feel like, hey, the data is bad, therefore the system is bad, therefore I'm not going to use the system. So again, that can hinder adoption as well. So it's really important to focus on that data, you know, to, to regularly clean lists. You know, if you send a, a communication campaign, how clean your data is affects the delivery to the recipients. Whenever those bounces come back, somebody needs to go through those bounces, research them, and find the new information. And if you're paying attention in CRM, that can actually give you valuable business development information because when somebody has a job change, because of a bounce back, you find that information and update it in CRM, the professionals will find out maybe that one of the key contacts at one of their top clients has gone somewhere else, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, you know, a bad thing if they don't have another relationship with that client and a good thing if they had an excellent relationship, it's an opportunity to congratulate the person on their new role uh, and reach out and, and have a touch point and have a business conversation. So, you know, again, CRM is tremendously important and uh, the data is a, is a key part of it and, and everyone struggles with it because you absolutely have to devote the resources. You know, actually, there's a very large firm in New York that has very, very high profits and amazing relationships and a, a stunning stellar reputation. And I spoke with their CRM manager years ago and I said, just curious, you know, you're not a huge firm, but, but you're a very well-respected firm, a very profitable firm. How many data stewards do you have? And she said, oh, 10. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> you don't even have that many attorneys. You have 10 data stewards. And she said, oh, absolutely. At our firm, uh, we have quantified the value of a relationship, and we know it is over $2 million. And so the way we've calculated it, we'll have as many data stewards as it takes to keep our data almost perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. And I never suggest to people that, that, that that's suggesting that you should have 10 data stewards, um, but rather you have to have some data stewarding. It's crucial. You, you know, you, you have to devote some time and effort and energy to it, whether you do it internally, you know, outsource it to a company like ours, um, or find a way to distribute it within the firm, it's absolutely essential because those relationships are tremendously valuable. And if the data is bad, you can't communicate effectively. I, I had another managing partner, very, very smart managing partner say to me, you know, we're talking about events. I said, yeah, you know, if, if you can't 
manage an event properly, think of all the time and effort you waste on that event. And he said, forget the events. If you think about how much billable time we spend, actually, I guess it's non-billable time, um, on writing and speaking and doing presentations and all of the credentialing that we do, if we don't reach the right audiences, all of that time is wasted. And that's a lot more than having an uncoordinated event, you know, where, where we don't have enough people show up or, or we overpay for the, for the catering. So I thought that was a, a really yeah. good insight. That is really good insight. Um, so you and I last saw each other at the, uh, the LMA um, uh, SIG on digital marketing, and, and the, the topic was about marketing automation. And obviously, marketing automation uh, and CRM are very closely tied together. Um, really, you, you have to be able to sync them to, together and to make it really work. Um, what other types of, uh, of technology confirms purchase to integrate or enhance the value of their CRM system? Well, so integrations, uh, years ago, a time and billing integration was something that everybody thought was just tremendously important. And at the time, you know, this is 10 plus years ago, we didn't have the visibility into the time and billing data and accounting information that we do today. You know, we've, we're more likely today to have web access um, for the marketing department and other key stakeholders. Whereas then we didn't really have any visibility. Then it made sense. Um, but that integration isn't often a phase one necessarily anymore because we have better uh, information that we can get to, uh, but also because we have to think about integration. So I'm a, somebody says to me, Let's talk about integration. I'll say, okay, first answer one question. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we going to do this integration? And if there's not a compelling reason for the why or compelling answer to the why, then integration is probably not a phase one. Now, I agree with you. I think a phase one integration is e-marketing. Um, keeping disconnected silos of data when you're trying to send communications and deal with bounces and create activities, set a huge time saver to integrate the two systems. That's the first integration I always recommend. Time and billing can be a great integration. You know, if the reason is, hey, we want to have a complete list of our clients, then that's a great reason. That information lives in the time and billing system. But you also have to be thoughtful in how you bring the information over because the data in there is often much worse than the data in the CRM system. So we'll recommend that firms start by, let's, let's do a manageable data set, such as top 100 clients, top 50 clients, top 500 clients. Bring that data over first. Validate the data. Don't necessarily bring over all of the contacts and addresses because often those are the wrong contacts. They're the billing contacts, not always, but often. And really just bring the data that you need and start with a small manageable set of data. So suddenly we can actually see if we want to do a client alert, we can actually segment out our clients, which is a tremendous reason to bring that data over. A lot of firms also maintain industry data uh, in that system. And if you haven't already if you have good industry data there, that might be another reason to integrate time and billing. Now, more than ever, firms are integrating tools called ERM or Enterprise Relationship Management Systems. 
several of the CRM tools have them built in and others are sort of freestanding and can be connected. But these systems do a couple things. They mine email traffic patterns to give you a perspective on who really knows who. So probably statistics say we keep maybe 25% of our contacts in Outlook in our address books, but we email pretty much all of them. These systems work with the Exchange server to mine the traffic patterns, not read the emails, just the traffic patterns to identify who we're having um, email uh, conversations with. The traffic patterns using an algorithm, they can identify uh, how often people talk with each other. If I send you an email and you never get back to me, but I send you a lot of emails, maybe I'm just that annoying consultant who won't stop emailing you. But if I email you and you email me back and we, we, we talk a lot and we get back to each other pretty quickly, it will say that we not only have a relationship, it will gauge the strength as us having a strong relationship. And that's very valuable to a law firm when they're trying to do business development and they meet a contact or they find a company that they want to, want to pitch and they want to find out who's actually got a relationship. A lot of times it's someone they never thought, uh, never even thought about, not even connected to the, to the pitch and you can leverage those relationships. The ERM systems can also be used to capture signature data and create contacts. So more and more attorneys are busier and they're not maintaining, again, their contacts in their Outlook address books. They're in email and they're, uh, they're, in, they're in calendar appointments. These systems can actually take a signature block from an email capture that information into a contact and associate it back to the attorney. And some can even push it back to Outlook if you want to, if you want to do it that way, but it's capturing all that missing information. Uh, so those are uh, our ERM systems. Uh, and finally, another, another good system is pipeline tracking systems. Um, that has become it just in the last few years, law firms are very slow to adopt sophisticated business development pipeline strategies years behind the accountants who, you know, as number people, they buy CRM primarily for that reason. Um, law firms often primarily buy it to facilitate communication and coordination, as we said, client service. But realistically, as the market has become competitive, it's tremendously important now for law firms to do coordinated business development. And that involves tracking you know, who are we talking with? Is it a pitch? Is it an RFP? Where are we? Last steps, next steps, and have all that historical information to really be able to ultimately predict revenue. And, and you know, sophisticated companies use this information to take it even a step farther to predict hiring and expansion and, and uh, you know, staffing needs. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think it's, it's great that firms are finally becoming interested in that type of technology as well. It's fascinating, Chris. So let, let me, uh, we ran out of time, but I, I did want to ask you one last question. Um, so for the law firm marketing director or, or um, the marketing manager who works at a law firm where they don't have CRM in place and they're, they're just starting to investigate it, what would be your, your suggestion? What would, you know, how would they start to, uh, go about um, within their, you know, to, to, to get the CRM technology in place, what would be the first steps that you would recommend they do? So I'd say the first step 
is really to assess your needs. I guess the most important thing uh, to do before buying the technology, really understand what you're trying to accomplish. So Gartner has suggested again, you know, they like to throw these statistics out there that 70 plus percent of CRM implementations fail to meet expectations. What they don't tell you is most of the time it's because the expectations are wrong, not because of the technology. So you really have to assess your needs going in to make sure you get the right system because you don't often get a chance to do a CRM rollout twice. And even if you get the chance, nobody wants to do it again, right? So you want to get it right the first time. And, you know, besides assessing needs, I think one of the most important things I can recommend is don't do it alone. Reach out for help. Um, there are tremendous resources available to people. Most people have never rolled out a CRM system. So reach out to colleagues, um, to folks in, uh, in organizations like the Legal Marketing Association, uh, for resources, for assistance, and feel free to pick up the, the phone and call me anytime. Um, and as a consultant, I'll always spend 20 minutes on the phone, you know, helping people try to succeed with this technology. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great technology. It can really help the firm. Uh, you know, but it can also be challenging. So I, I think a key takeaway is feel free to reach out for help. Um, don't do it alone. Great. Okay. Well, that was really, really valuable. Um, how can I, uh, if anyone in our audience wants to reach you or, or learn more about uh, what your company does, uh, how do they do that? Sure. Well, they can call me. Um, our website is online at clientsfirstconsulting.com. It's clients with an S. My number is 404-249-9914. Uh, and of course, I'll always take a phone call. Always happy to, happy to help and, and talk about CRM. And my uh, email address is my initials, cf at clientsfirstconsulting.com. So feel free to contact me anytime. Great, great. And we'll include that information in the, uh, the show notes as well. So uh, thank you so much, Chris, for your time. Uh, I think our, our audience got a lot of value and um, we look forward to, uh, to seeing you online. Thank you very, very much. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to, to talk with you. Before you go, and if you like this episode, I wanna make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes we have coming up. And we have some great guests coming up soon. So in order to subscribe, all you need to do is go to our website, goodtobesocial.com, and subscribe to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. Also, if you're struggling with making your digital marketing work for your law firm and you would like some help, make sure you go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for our free audit. Until next time. <laughs>